The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Monday, August 31st. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on the line by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello, hello to the people. How's it going, everybody? Mike, we have a first this week. We have our first ever guest in the Longhorn Confidential Podcast. Uh, Thomas Jones is joining us. Thomas is a reporter, editor. Thomas, what, what is your actual official title for the Statesman? You, do, you seem to do everything. Technically, I am the community sports editor, but I supervise no one except me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a reporter with, <laughs> reporter with extra duties and not extra salary. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll, see if, we'll see if we can have, you know, get you a bump because of your podcasting uh, debut today. Yeah, I'm honored to be the first guest, by the way. All right, we'll get to Thomas in a second, but the reason uh, we wanted to talk to Thomas and Mike today is obviously with all the coronavirus um, regulations and the way people are having to adapt to things, there's just going to be, it's going to look different. Recruiting is going to look different this fall. Reporting is going to look different this fall. So I kind of wanted to get a vibe from both of them about kind of what they expect at on the high school scene this year. So Mike, we'll start with you. How do you expect things to be like in 2020 when it comes to reporting and covering you know, all the recruits that you cover because you see a lot of these kids throughout the year. What do you expect things to be like this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I expect the sidelines to, to not have as many people in it. You know, I don't think you're going to see school districts just give out press passes and sideline passes to as many, uh, to many uh, outlets, especially at the 5 and 6A level once that gets going. Uh, but other than that, I think it stays pretty much the same for, for me at least. I don't have to be in the press box kind of getting on deadline and taking stats and that kind of stuff. I'm there to, to watch a kid or a couple kids specifically. So I think for me, it'll just be, I'll be on the sideline and kind of try to stay away as much as possible, just cause I don't want to, uh, you know, be the person that kind of messes up that stuff or gets a reputation of being kind of too close to the action, but we'll see. I, I, I think a lot of school districts will kind of do whatever they like to do. I think some will be more strict than others and, It'll be a week-by-week -week basis in terms of what games are actually happening and, and where we're allowed to go and what we're allowed to do. You know, in years past, what kind of was your routine on a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday? Like I said, you were going to these games, sometimes traveling out of state. You know, what was your normal routine and what would you expect to maybe be taken out of that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think for a normal weekend for me, I'd be in Houston or Dallas, and I'd head up Thursday afternoon, go to a game Thursday, and then I'd try to go by a school Friday um, during the school day, you know, try to get there to the athletic period and pick up an interview from a kid or two, and then go watch a game Friday night, do the same thing Saturday, and then uh, cover the UT game on the, on the post-game show after that. Uh, this year, I'm honestly thinking practices may be the best way to go get recruiting stuff. Yeah, I think it'll be – less strict when there's not as many fans and parents and, and stuff like that in the stands. And so, you know, practice may be the best option in terms of, you know, maybe going and getting interviews with these guys. And that's going to be the other thing is, you know, getting and going to practice is, is one thing entirely. It's another thing to get interviews and stuff like that. So that, that's going to be a thing that that'll be interesting for me is, you know, kind of seeing which, which schools kind of allow free reign and which ones kind of have a, have a thing for that. Cause it sounds like at the college level, a lot of that's going to be done through Zoom, even if it's, you know, on, you know, at site. Yeah, I can tell you uh, as, a, as someone who is at all these or covering, you know, this Texas is spring or fall sports. We have not been on campus once this, 
this uh, this school year, and I don't expect us aside from games for that to change. But do you think this is possibly a good thing? I mean, I know at these games, you're not the only recruiting recruiter there, recruiting writer there. A lot of the times, um, there's a big recruit in a big game. You know, there may be a bunch of you guys on the sidelines and a bunch of people trying to. You know, get after these kids. Um, there's certainly some reputable recruiting writers. You, um, our, our good friend Mike Roach, Justin Wells, you guys all do great work. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes there's a lot of randos there. And sometimes, uh, you know, everyone asking these kids questions and trying to get access, um, you know, can maybe be a little overwhelming. Do you think it might be a good thing that, you know, maybe things are a little restricted or is this a bad thing for reporting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. Now, some of that's a privileged take because I'm, you know, at the newspaper and are usually allowed to get into these places. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think we've gotten to a point specifically in the playoffs. I mean, Thomas can talk about this too, but sometimes you get to, you know, the 5-6-A and the semifinal games and stuff like that, and there's people that are just there with the camera just to be there with the camera. You don't even know where they're working at or where they're even filing a story. And, you know, you get to the point where, you know, everybody's asking the same questions to these dudes and, it gets a little uh, little oversaturated. So I do think it will help uh, some of the school districts kind of dial back on who they let in. But I do think there's also kind of a larger, you know, push to kind of have less media access anyway. And so anything that gives uh, school districts, colleges, professional sports, you know, an excuse to kind of limit access, I think, you know, they may uh, take advantage of. That, that would be my, my concern for that. Thomas, we'll, we'll go to you. Uh the smaller classifications all kind of kicked off their seasons for and below this past weekend. You routing Giddings for um, the Buffalo's opener, a uh, 34-31 uh, loss to Bellevue. What was you, or Belleville, excuse me, what was your experience like? What was that first game coverage-wise, and how is it different from uh, past years for you? Well, from, from a coverage perspective, it's very different because at these smaller schools like Giddings, I don't have access to the press box. Um, Plus, I had to buy a ticket, <laughs> and that's a first. But that was – I understand why they were doing that. They're trying to track everybody in the stadium because they have limited attendance. And they were like, yeah, you know, we probably won't need to do this for the next few weeks, but the season opener, we're trying to be super careful about the, getting an accurate number of who's in the stadium. But, again, I'm working from the stands and the sidelines, so – I don't use my don't do my usual routine on a Friday, which is keep stats, uh, write a story, follow other games as they're going along, and tweet out scores and updates. You know, I can't really do that because I don't have a power source. So, man, I had my you know Dr Pepper and nachos and my stadium seat up there on the top row watching the game. Mm-hmm. A fan, except I had to take some notes. <laughs> Now, post-game, were you able to get your normal access to coaches and players, or was it kind of a you get to talk to the coach and they may bring back one player and you kind of sit at a distance and yell questions at him? How was, how was post-game for you? No, business as usual. Um, you know, I had my media badge on this field, show the guy at the gate. I go out on the field when the game's over, talk to the coach, talk to the kid, wear my mask, use social distancing. And really everything I've done over the past month when I go out to practices – and this is, you know, from a small school to a, a Westlake, to a big school, I've I open access. You know, you just have to practice, uh, you know, safety measures. You know, wear a mask, tell them you haven't tested positive or anything. You know, be smart. But it's been a business as usual for me, which is a good thing. Now, you know, kind of going off that, have schools been pretty welcoming with coverage? 
You know, is it one of those things where they're trying to limit things or is it something where essentially if you call ahead and tell them you're coming, they're willing to have you out? Yeah, yeah. Every, every story I've done for an interview, I give them a heads up. I'm going out there. Everything's fine. For the game coverage, I'm giving all the schools that we cover a heads up that we will be, have a reporter there. And it's been super helpful. So, you know, knock on wood, so far so good with that. Now, our uh, buddy Rick Cantu got into a little Twitter spat is probably a underestimate, you know, kind of underestimating things. But, you know, he tweeted out a picture of, um, you know, the fans in Burnett who seemed to be kind of a little snuggled in the stands and not a lot of them wearing masks. I saw a similar picture coming out of Lampasas. Uh, the fine folks that live out in those communities did not like those photos and let it, let it be known in the um, mentions. But what was that experience like in Giddings? Were people, you know, practicing social distancing? And is that a concern? Do you think that should be a concern for people as we, you know, go into the bigger schools, you know, starting up their seasons that people just aren't going to listen to these social distancing rules and, you know, not going to wear masks in the stands and this thing may just get halted before we even uh, start. And if, especially if you're in the stands having to be around these people, is that a concern for you? Well, it, it, it is a concern, but, but it's an interesting uh, kind of dichotomy that the school districts are being very careful. As a UIO mandates, they're only selling X amount of tickets to a game. So you're not a packed house. They're mandating you bring a mask in the stadium and wear it as you enter. They are not mandating that you wear it in the stands. Do mandate whenever you go to a concession stand, you're going to the restroom, you're walking around, you should be wearing that mask. And to Giddings' credit, and from what I've heard at other stadiums, PA announcers are basically begging their fans to wear masks. They're saying, look, do what you can to protect this season. Because I know the coaches, the administrators, and the kids on these teams are taking a ton of precautions. Okay, but at Giddings, you know, once people are in the stands, they take it as regular, and they congregate, and they sit together. And most of them weren't wearing masks, to be, to be frank. Um, as a journalist, I can get to a part of the stadium that's not very full. I can get up to the top seat on the 20-yard line, and there wasn't really anyone around me. So that's fine. But everyone does tend to congregate in the middle of the stands. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm like a lot of people. I want the season to go on. And hopefully more people do what they can to ensure a full season. Um, we'll see how it progresses, especially once we get to games in the Austin area. I think the reality for people living in the city is different than if you're out in the country. You know, the COVID rates are a little bit higher. I think people are a little bit more careful about wearing a mask and being socially distanced. So we'll see what happens when the games start here in Austin. You know, switching subjects a little bit, probably the only thing that generated more buzz and uh, maybe a little bit of controversy than um, – you know, the opening weekend of, of football was a project you put together um, in kind of conjunction with the UIL's 100th anniversary. You put together a list of the top 100 high school football players that this area has, um, you know, produced. Uh, Dick Nitran Lane was the, uh, from old Anderson High School, was the number one on the list. Drew Bridges up there. Garrett Gilbert was number three. Um, so first, uh, uh, you know, kind of going down the list of future Longhorns in the top 25, in addition to Garrett, Jordan Shipley was there. Johnny Johnson, Alex Okafor, Sam Ellinger, Johnny Lamb Jones, Michael Griffin, Johnny Treadwell. So obviously a lot of local talent has stayed local. But 
how long did this project take you? How long did you work on this? Longer than I thought it would. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I had been thinking about it really for about four or five months. So I'd kind of been dabbling in some research and jotting some names down and jotting some notes down. And then when I really started getting into the nuts and bolts of it a couple of weeks ago, you know, that's when I put, started putting finger to keyboard, you know, and writing stuff down. It's fun. It was, it was awesome to learn about the history. Um, I did get a lot of responses about guys that didn't make the list. And, and that was great too, because some of them I learned about other guys. You know, it just, it helped me appreciate the history that we have in the Austin area for high school football. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. Obviously, I'm sure the second that, you know, that hit the internet, people were telling you that you missed uh, such and such that played in the 80s at, you know, such and such school or someone that, you know, I played with so-and-so 30, 40 years ago. Who was probably your, now that you've been able to kind of get some feedback, who do you think your biggest miss was? Someone that didn't make the cut that you may not have known about or someone made a really compelling argument for? Well, a lot of the arguments would be like running backs and quarterbacks because everyone remembers those guys. And I wasn't too worried about that because I didn't want to be a list of the 100 best skill positions, you know, in, in the history of Austin. But uh, a couple of guys, Doak Field was a linebacker from Burnett in the 70s, and he went on to an all-Southwest Conference career at Baylor, played, played along Mike Singletary at Baylor, mm-hmm. and I believe he had a cup of coffee in the NFL and USFL. So I wish I'd gotten him on the list somewhere. He was probably – one of two or three guys, I was like, yeah, they, they should have been on the list. Uh, there was a guy for the Anderson Trojans, a defensive tackle in the 70s named, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember his name, Bobby Michaud. Very good defensive lineman, and I would love to get another lineman on the, on the list anyway. He went on to a brief NFL career. He was a great player. Those two stand out. Um, you obviously were not around, uh, even though he was our number one. You did not get to see Night Train play uh, for, for, the, for the Yellow Jackets back in the day. But who was your number one? Who's the best player you have ever seen play during your time at the Statesman? You know, believe it or not, uh, I did see Drew Brees play. Um, Garrett Gilbert was awesome in high school. But what the numbers and the records show, you know, those two are up there. But from a pure football standpoint, Garrett Wilson, just a recent guy, Lake Travis, who's now a receiver at Ohio State, he's probably been the best high school football player I've ever seen, in my opinion. Sometimes line him up, up at cornerback, and he would lock down a blue chip receiver. You know, he did it with, um, and, and Mike, you know, this guy, a kid that played at Allen a couple of years ago, Weiss. He yeah, the, Theo Weiss, yeah. Yeah, Theo Weiss plays at OU now, I believe. Yep. Garrett locked him down in the, in the state championship game a couple years back. And Garrett's not a defensive back. He didn't play it much. But in that game, they put him on an island against Theo Weiss, and he locked him down. Garrett Wilson could have played defensive back at the next level, could have played basketball at the next level. He had D1 cards in basketball, including from Rick Barnes at Tennessee. And I think he's going to be a longtime NFL receiver, in my opinion. He's the best I've seen yeah, I know Garrett, uh, Garrett Gilbert w- was my pick. Um, you know, he was, you know, when I came in, that was my first year um, on the beat was his junior year at Lake Travis. So that was kind of a welcome to Texas high school football because uh, that was definitely his blow up, you know, blow up year. Um, Mike, you've been around the area for a while. You've worked in the area. You were a Cedar Park graduate. So I got to ask you, um, 
who's the best Timberwolf to ever, uh, you know, play high school football. Cause they've had, they've had some nice athletes. My, my personal pick is Brian Hogan. Cause I, I loved watching him play quarterback and, you know, competing against those like Travis teams. I think it was like 2009, 2010. Who, who's your pick? Yeah. It's on that team as well. Uh, Spencer Drango would probably be my pick. You know, he played at Baylor uh, offensive lineman played at Baylor. Uh, I think he had about 15 to 20 starts in the NFL. Last time I checked, I think he's a free agent right now, but uh, I would say he, he's probably the, the best player. I mean, Jab Gidry, who's a cornerback at Utah right now, may end up taking over that crown, um, just depending on how his career goes. But he didn't play at Cedar Park as a senior. They moved back to California. Um, so, yeah, final answer, I think, would be Spencer Drango, offensive lineman who went to Baylor. Awesome. Hey, and um, those are the two guys that were on our top 100 list, too. Yeah. yeah I think the only two clear. Timberwolves. Yeah, Quentin Smith is up there. His brother Tyler Smith, that's when I was kind of in high school. But, yeah, I think those guys, especially in terms of, like, college career, I think those guys are, are the top. Boy, and Dominic Espinosa was a good one. Yes. Uh, center at Texas. Yep. Those teams were huge. I don't oh. know how we got that much size at Cedar Park all of a sudden. Those were next-level offensive linemen. Yep. And that's why Brian Hogan was so good. I mean, watching him behind those offensive linemen was crazy because he was kind of a smaller guy. And that offensive line was so huge, it just looked like they were blocking for their little brother. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I think that's enough Cedar Park talk for today. But uh, we, we can keep going. <laughs> TJ, while we got you, um, the last couple of years, last couple of recruiting cycles, Texas has gotten some um, you know, commits from some local products that you've been able to see up person. Um, in this 2021 class, obviously, Austin High quarterback Charles Wright just committed. In this 2020 class, Hudson Card, from like Travis, the quarterback, Alfred Collins, defensive lineman, Cedar Creek, Dijon Harrison, the receiver from just up the road in Hutto. You know, those four names, you know, what, who kind of stands out and who are you excited to see, um, you know, in Burn Orange? Because I know you follow the Longhorns and like watching them play. You know, who, which local kids uh, should Texas fans be looking out for these uh, in these last two recruiting classes? Well, well, two of those kids really stand out. That's Alfred Collins and Hudson Carr, and I'll tell you why. Uh, number one, Alfred Collins is another one of those dual-sport athletes who's a very good basketball player, and I love dual-sport athletes in, in high school. I think they go on to be um, productive players at the college level. And Alfred's a big kid, and I think he's up to 300 pounds now. I think I read from, from you or Brian Davis. Um, and he's such a big frame. He's going to carry it well. He's athletic. From what I gather, and you would know this more than me, it sounds like he's in line to get some playing time as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a prototypical defensive lineman. Um, I'm, he, I think he'll have a great career. And listen, for some reason, Hudson Card from Lake Travis somehow, in my opinion, has been kind of overlooked. He doesn't get the hype that Sam Ellinger got out of high school. Um, not a lot of people really talk about him. He is an elite athlete who played receiver at Lake Travis for a bit. Great speed, big-time arm, smart guy, and it sounds like the Texas coaches love what he has done in the spring. I think he's going to be—I think he's going to be a starter next year, and I think he's going to be a starter for multiple years for Texas. Yeah, I talked to Hank Carter, uh, like longtime Lake Travis coach, today for a story I'm working on this week about the possible backups for Sam this year, and he essentially said that Hudson has the best of kind of everyone's qualities in that long line of quarterbacks. Like, he's, his arm isn't as good as Garrett Gilbert's was, but it's still pretty good. But he's as athletic as Baker was, and he's as, you know, kind of cerebral and has that same mental approach that Charlie Brewer up at uh, Baylor has. So it seems like he's kind of a, 
hybrid of all the uh, Lake Travis quarterbacks. So it should be interesting to see what happens when he gets a if he gets a chance at Texas to kind of see what he what he can do. Yeah, he he didn't get a state championship like all those guys, and I think that's kind of uh, made him a bit overlooked, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, he, he got pretty close that one when he was a sophomore. He kind of got thrown thrown in there when Michael Baldwin got hurt. I think that was only like a two point loss to Allen in that game you mentioned, Garrett Wilson. Yep. Awesome. Well, that is going to do it for us for the Longhorn Confidential. We'd like to thank Thomas Jones for jumping on here and uh, giving us some knowledge about a wide range of uh, subjects. But um, be sure to check out hook'em.com. Mike has his uh, dotted line column running throughout the week. Um, you wrote about Jonathan Brooks, correct, today, Mike? Yeah, talked to Jonathan Brooks uh, over the weekend. He was the only Texas commit to start his season uh, this past weekend. So, uh yeah, and then the rest of the week is uh, Big 12 power rankings and then looking at some questions that Texas needs to answer uh, heading into August or September. It's September already, my goodness. Yeah, so be sure to check that in hookup.com as well as all of our hookup coverage as we you know inch closer and closer to that September 12th kickoff against Utah. But don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to these Longhorn Confidential podcasts. The Longhorn Confidential is brought to you by Zaxby's Taking Chicken to a Whole New Level of Flavor. Stop by our neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We'll see you later.